Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 170. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Yo, what is going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? It's your host, Eric Cacciatore, and this is the podcast for personal growth in the restaurant industry. I have a great show for you today. It's Tuesday. You know what that means. It's Talking Tuesday. But today, I'm not going solo like I usually do on Tuesdays. Uh, We usually just discuss books. I go on a little rant on what I've learned from a book or I summarize some of the key takeaways from a book. Uh, Today, we're going to be discussing A Slice of the Pie, How to Build a Big Little Business, written by Nick Cirillo, a past guest of mine. Nick is joining us back on the show. He's here to to talk with us today about his book. We're just going to go back and forth. I'm going to ask him some questions about a number of the things he discusses in the book and I'm telling you this book is so worth looking into guys um, you know I've learned a lot over the past year and eight months about what it takes to be successful that's what this podcast is all about studying successful people and finding out what makes them successful what habits and characteristics and I'm telling you you need to pay attention to these characteristics to these habits to these things that Nick has done in his life that have contributed to his success. And we're going to talk about a lot of those things today. And we, we can't cover all of it, but you know, after listening to this episode, you're going to want to go out there and get this book, A Slice of the Pie, How to Build a Big Little Business. And uh, you can do it for free, guys. Head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. You can get this book for free today. Um, just listen to this episode and what you'll be doing immediately after is <laughs> headed over to Audible to pick up this book, I'm telling you. So, um, all right, that's all I have. Uh, enjoy this episode. Nick is invaluable, his advice, and you're just going to be so motivated after listening. So here it is. Enjoy. With excitement, allow me to welcome back today's guest, Nick Cirillo. Nick, are you feeling unstoppable today? I sure am, without a doubt. Uh, Extremely inspired by the work you're doing, reading your articles, keeping up with you, Eric, and this opportunity to share with uh, small business owners, restaurant owners especially, my brothers and sisters in this industry. I'm honored to have you back. And I should say this is the third time you've been on the show. You guys don't realize we recorded this last week, and Nick is so good. Uh, we lost power in the middle of the interview, but I'm I'm happy to say it's a beautiful day. I don't plan on losing power today. The sun's shining, uh, and hopefully we can get this recorded for you folks. Uh, but So thank you for coming back twice in one week. I really do appreciate it, Nick. Yeah. Uh, so, Nick is the founder, CEO, and primary keeper of the purpose and operational values of Nick's Pizza and Pub, the sixth busiest independent pizza company in the United States. And uh, we already mentioned this is, uh, if the name sounds familiar, it's because you probably heard of us talking about his book, uh, which is what we're going to be discussing today. And that book is A Slice of the Pie, How to Build a Big Little Business. And um, I can't wait to start this interview, partially because this is our second time around, and I know that Nick's got some great advice for you. So I know what's coming down the barrel, which is why, if you guys can't tell, I'm super like pumped to get this under, 
underway. Um, so, Nick, you know how it goes. Usually I have all my guests share a success quote or mantra to get that motivational and inspirational ball rolling. But today I thought I was going to flip the tables uh, for our listeners, and I'm going to share a quote from your book that just really resonated with me uh, when I was reading. And that quote is, uh, people do their best work when they have a higher purpose and the same applies to organizations. Your purpose is the center of the culture that drives your business. And tell me, what does that quote mean to you? What does that say to you? Like, where did that come from? Well, you know, what I've learned is, uh, especially uh, working with human beings as much as I do, right? And we do in this industry, is that... um, we really want to be a part of something more meaningful. It's very human to be a part of something more meaningful. And what happened when we uh, defined our purpose for our organization, it was what we went off-site and we collectively, uh, a group of team members from Nick's and myself, seven years into the business, realized that we had some shared passion. And from that shared passion became a collective purpose and a bigger understanding of why we do what we do and thus creating a a more meaningful place to work and and have meaning behind making the pizzas, washing dishes, all the things that we do, the tasks we do uh, in order to create a great experience for our guests. Well, you're doing something right, man, because you're just doing so many great things for your community and the people that work for you. I can't wait to get this interview going. We're going to learn so much. So um, let's talk briefly about trust and track. I feel like a lot of the emphasis in this book that you wrote has to do with that trust and track uh, management style. So what does that mean? Yeah, it it has become trust and track because what we were – you know, and Bo Burlingham helped a lot with this term. He actually wrote the book Small Giants and wrote an article about us in Inc. Magazine. I learned about what we were doing. I also learned that our leadership style was a little bit different than what the old leadership of command and control was. And so now that's why we started to say, okay, what is it that's different about our leadership style that's supporting this great success we're having with the people that we work with, you know, 200 team members in a very busy environment. I mean, we might... I don't know if we're still number six, <laughs> number six in the busy, you know, as far as independent restaurants, but we're right up there. Whatever. Five, you'll be, you'll six, be number seven. one in my eyes. For, that's all that matters. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the point is we got huge volume, really intense environment, and it could be very stressful like it is in a lot of restaurants where people get burned out quick and work is not enjoyable. Yeah. Instead, we have our team has fun while they work and we, and we give each other feedback. So this trust and track leadership, you know, differently than command and control, is really starts with, well, first it's got to start with a, a belief in people. We, mm-hmm. we all have to believe that people want to do their best in, on a day-to-day basis. I believe that people get out of bed in the morning and they actually do care and want to do their best. I don't believe anybody gets out of bed and says, you know what, I want to go screw up today. Yep. <laughs> you know, I want yep. to be a bad person. <laughs> it's not, that's not what innate in us. So it starts with a belief. Then we have to start with a really clear, clear purpose. Articulate a clear, defined purpose. Why we do what we do in our organizations in a present tense way, and then also clearly defined set of values that are again in the present tense in a collective I statement. You know, so we believe we we provide. We are doing this together, not to be. The other 
the other thing that's really important is uh, having a uh, clear feedback so that we're giving feedback that's actually not just among the team members, but it's also among the team members, the leaders. You know, I've, I've defined trust and track actually into seven pieces, you know, and the, the other ones... The other ones are um, about having a, a clearly defined career path, like the way I talk about business as a school, yeah. and and then leadership development, and then uh, open books, and final is uh, self awareness. And actually, we talk about is um, you know that emotional intelligence piece of oh, yeah. servant leadership. Awesome. Now, it seems like a lot of the trust and track, a lot of the focus is on uh, the trust side, which is, you know, developing that rapport, giving your team the tools they need to be successful and not just saying, you know, go do your job, but like, let me help you do your job to this fullest potential. But then there's the track side. And I mean, what tools, we kind of talked about this before uh, when we first did the recording and you were great. And I really want to tap into that again, the tools to track. Because it's one thing to trust and to, you know, like we said, empower your team to do their job well and then to trust them to do it. But you have to uh, track it. And, I mean, how do you track it? How do you know the job's being done well? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Eric. It is important. Um, I just want to call to attention that it is trust and track is two parts. It's not just trust and hope. Yeah. I learned, <laughs> I learned the hard way that, you know, when I first did this work, around purpose and values that trust and hope in people will, you know, will just uh, always uh, do set, do the expectation because it doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. We also need methods to track and hold people accountable, systems to track and hold people accountable uh, in service of each other, not just in service of, you know, the manager or the boss. So, so the ways that we track, you know, there's there's simple ways that a lot of us do financial metrics, uh, profit and loss statements, costing systems, you know, whether it's food, beverage, labor costing. There's also ways that I think is very important that I found to be very important around tracking behaviors, mm-hmm. tracking um, behaviors that tie back to our purpose, and then using the words in the purpose to actually recognize those positive behaviors and we do the same thing with our values so something as simple as our one of our values is we treat everybody with dignity and respect so something as simple as someone saying behind you or excuse me or thank you i'll recognize that behavior as and tie it back to thank you for supporting our value of dignity and respect with showing your gratitude so those are those are several ways that we track and support the track side of trust and track. Yeah, and I mean, you just implementing those standards, having like that set culture in place is so important. Those set values in place are so important too. And uh, what about some of the spreadsheets you use, the the extra things you do to really be able to put numbers to uh, this attempt to track? Because it's not enough just to like try to pay attention. You really have to look at the numbers. Numbers don't lie. So what are some of the spreadsheets that you, you mentioned before? So I want to also build on what you just said about the culture. Yeah. I just want to add to that that what we're doing is is being intentional mm-hmm. about the culture we created. And, and that's a big part of what I write about in the book and, and a big part of an opportunity oh, yeah. for any small business owner, any restaurant owner. We don't have to be a Google or Southwest Airlines. It doesn't cost millions of dollars to be intentional about the culture we want to create. Mm-hmm. 
so in our culture, yes, you know, it's purpose and values. Well, guess what? One of our values is health, right? And in that value of health, not only are we supporting the emotional and physical well-being of health at the individual level, well, we're also a fiscally responsible company as well, and profit is a part of that. So that's part of our value. Tracking the numbers and the financials is something we do on a daily basis, right, in a proactive way, on a weekly basis. So the daily accrued to the week, weekly accrued to the period. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of just doing cost of goods sold, right, which a lot of companies do, which is okay on one level as a report card, but on the other level, it's P&Ls and cost of goods sold looked at a week later is like looking at an autopsy, right? It's too late. What can we do about it? Yeah. So we have we have some simple spreadsheets that track our purchase, our purchases for food, our purchases for beverage on a daily basis related to our cost of goods percentage and our purchase percentage. Mm-hmm. So, for example, at Nick's, we have a cost of goods for food goal of 20%. That's for the week. So that means our purchase percentage should be around 20% as well, right, okay. at the end of the yep. week. You know, because we want it to match. Well, the goal would, would be within 1%, okay, because sometimes, you know, for, so that means we have to forecast sales and purchase based on those forecast sales and we're purchasing three or four times a week, or sometimes two times a week, depends what it is. Okay. So we're gonna every Monday we're gonna say, okay, we're gonna put the invoices in. At the end of putting those invoices in, compare that to how sales come in, and guess what? We have a purchase percentage. Yep. We we purchased, and Mondays because a huge amount of invoices coming on Mondays, you know, our purchase percentage might be seventy five percent, right? And then on Tuesdays, our purchase percentage might be only 10%. You know, so there's the thing is, is that Monday will be relative to Monday, Tuesday will be relative to Tuesday, and we when we check those on a daily basis. So now at the end of Monday, we get into Tuesday morning, we see what those how sales showed up, how that purchase percentage showed up. Now on Tuesday, our management team, our leadership team says, "Oh wow, we actually missed on." Um, on say other foods mm-hmm. or missed on appetizers. Guess what? We're going to do a contest today to support. You know, we're going to do a fried mushroom or fried cheese sticks or you know whatever it is. We're going to do a contest for our service team to try and increase the sales for that item to get that number back in line so that we get to the end of the week we hit our number. Awesome. So that's an Excel spreadsheet that we just created ourselves. Anybody could do that. Yep. Actually, in the old days, I used to do it by hand. Yeah. We so those metrics for food for us are cost of goods sold, and then we're going to track purchase percentage, and then we're also going to have an optimum inventory of what our and not exceed that optimum inventory. So we're only purchasing what we're going to use. Okay. This is also called lean systems. I don't know if you're familiar with lean systems Um, in manufacturing. Lean systems or Six Sigma lean systems are very, you know, only purchasing what we're going to use helps us keep cash in the bank and as we know in the restaurant business cash flow is really important yeah and then then we also use compete as as a um, costing we so we've i guess we i would call it graduated or valved out of quickbooks into compete okay as an accounting software okay so compete 
to us is a really good accounting software. So that's we we our spreadsheets uh, go hand in hand with the compete software. Awesome. So we yeah so we have these typical traditional financial metrics, black and white metrics like most companies. Where a lot of companies miss is they don't add in and integrate the behavior tracking processes because they are just as important as the black and white financials. Those people metrics, right, especially in our business. So we, we, we talked about, okay, what does success look like for a server at Nick's Pizza and Pub? And our team said, you know what? Because they're a part of open books and they're part of these financial conversations. They said, well, yeah, guest check average, right? Financial metrics is important. we got to be profitable. What about purpose metrics? How do we know that our servers, because that's success for us, how do we know that our servers are on purpose? And and uh, our, our purpose is our dedicated family provides this community an unforgettable place to connect with your family and friends. They have fun in the field at home. So then this host... The host team, and again, these are 17, 18-year-olds, yeah. you know, chimed in and said, well, I got an idea. They said, we have we have guests that come in all the time. Our regular guests are asking for specific servers. Mm-hmm. And so if they're asking for servers, that means those servers must be connecting our purpose yep. with them. So why don't we create these little pieces of paper? We'll start creating, we'll make these pieces of paper that actually track how often a server gets requested. And then we'll, tr- and if for a given week, we'll compile all the times all the different servers got requested and, and then have a contest and create that metric so we could tell how many times Sue got requested, how many times Amelda got requested, and what servers get requested most. And then they could also share those servers that get requested most. When we do our fiscal huddles, they actually started sharing what it is they're doing mm. to support the rest of the service team about how they're connecting with the guests. You know? Awesome. So it's really, yeah, it's, it's, it's a you're, huge opportunity. You're giving us some incredible examples of how to track the different ways, the different spreadsheets you're using. Um, this is tr- truly turning out to be a valuable interview. I hope you guys are taking notes at home. Uh, great stuff. Thank you, Nick. So, uh, the, the people ne- side is so important. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, there's a lot of different culture books out there, like books that talk about company culture. So, what makes this book different about culture? Like, why should we look at this book versus other books? Yeah. Well, what, what was really important to me was that, you know, I, I started out as... You know, I worked in my dad's business as a kid in Chicago. You know, I, I then I started my own business here in the restaurant, and I didn't go to college. I didn't have an MBA in business, and I thought to myself, you know, we when we had all this great success, and I thought, you know what, I, I want to share with other business owners, other restaurant owner, owners, how we could create great companies without being big and on an every. You know, it's just an everyday average guy like myself could do this. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have a practical book that gives real tangible how-tos in creating a great company. And I'm not, you know, I'm not the consultant saying how things should be, right? Yeah. I'm actually a practitioner, everyday guy doing this stuff and, and not perfect, making mistakes. But my hope is that I could, I, I could help other business owners 
have a faster learning curve than I had. It took me years. And also save them thousands of dollars and not have to invest all the money I took in, in the lessons I learned through it as well. So, so it really should be a practical how-to guide from a fellow practitioner yeah i think that's one of the reasons why i really liked enjoying it because it wasn't like you said you're not a consultant it's not like you're standing on a stage preaching to an audience you're taking us on the journey of your life on the journey in the the uh struggles you had as a restaurant tour like the the real thing is that your average restaurant tour average joe guy deals with every day and you're using the content the the lessons you've learned um, in applying them to real life circumstances, and I think it's it's just so valuable. And uh, also, you know, you're you're you open up like wide open, and you you speak to the truths of you know your failures and uh, how those failures, what you've learned from those failures. Like it, it's just such a great book for any restaurant owner to read. I really do want. I, you know, I, I wanted to put emphasis on that because it's not like you said any other culture book. And, uh, yeah, I made I made a lot of mistakes along the way, like many of us do, and uh, and I'm not uh, I'm not shy about sharing some of those. You know, the other thing too is I know the struggle. I remember in the beginning, you know, when I first started in the business, and and I had a host. You know, and this is before purpose and values. You know, before I learned the importance and the profound learning I got for how much of an impact a clear purpose could have. Mm-hmm. You know, I I had the that like many entrepreneurs, you know, the a guest would walk in the door and the host would be standing there and and she wouldn't smile. And I and you know, I have that burning passion in my gut and I'm I'm like, why doesn't she understand how important it is to smile every guest, <laughs> you know? And and can't she can't she read my mind? Yeah. You know? And and fortunately what I learned with defining purpose is actually of course they can't read their mind, but as we define a purpose, now now that host understands why it is, you know, she's intrinsically motivated now to smile at every guest that walks in the door. That's awesome. huge. It yeah. is huge. I love it. And uh, on the topic of people, one thing I've noticed, uh, and one thing I love about this industry is that people are celebrated for just being who they are. And that's one thing I see you doing. It came out through the book, how you really just celebrate uh, the people in your uh, in your restaurant, let them be who they are, and just talk a little bit about that and how important it is to hire for the person and to like not put parameters on the person. Celebrating people, letting them be themselves, I and mean, again, it goes back to one of our values. One of our values is actually celebrating the individual passion and creativity. Mm-hmm. And while I, you know, I, I can't say enough about, especially in this industry. The uniqueness of the different people that come to work oh, yeah. in this industry is a huge opportunity to allow human beings to connect with other human beings organically. Yep. Uh, and and the crazy thing is that you know I, I loved reading books about Walt Disney and and how you know his invi- original vision and stuff like that. And I've also realized you know that they were really intentional about their culture. The difference is they got so strict about it that they started scripting people and, you know, and that just took away the individuality. So what we what we say is we actually, we have an art and science of training. So, yeah, there's science steps. There's the things about, you know, greeting of people, saying your name. We definitely want them to do those science steps. Mm-hmm. We also have the art side to allow people to be themselves. 
So you could say your name, you could greet, you know, say the name of a restaurant, do those things, do it in your own way, though. You could mix it up. Yeah. So that's a very basic premise. And then when we, whoever we hire, and we hire around a values alignment, um, we actually want people to express themselves in their own way. So, and and because of that, I think what I what I found is that people actually have shown up with their whole selves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I give an example of Georgie in the book, who's um, just this really vibrant, fun woman who's got I can't even tell you how many earrings she has around her ears <laughs> and how many rings she has and. You know, crazy hairstyle she comes in with and all that stuff. Uh, but again, she just connected with people. She was just authentic. And, um, you know, bartender to the bartender we have in our Elgin restaurant, this guy Mike. I mean, you know, if you were going to judge the book by its cover, might not hire him in a restaurant. He's got tattoos, he's got a big beard, he's got, you know, some chains and stuff like that. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I mean, he's got the biggest heart of anybody I've ever met. Yeah, you know, it, it's just it's a, it's a huge opportunity to again hire around values, allow people to be themselves, and then the other important thing is instead of catching people doing things wrong, recognize them for what they're doing well. Catch, build on the positive. Mm-hmm. Even when they, there's a mistake, we can find the positive within that, and and grow the coach and, and course correct through the positive behaviors. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And like the reason why I asked this question, Nick, is because you put so much energy and so much, uh, you know, just thought into your hiring process. You, you need five people in your company, five hiring managers to get a yes uh, before you hire somebody. And how much of that high standard has uh you know how much of, it, of this ability just to have these people be themselves and to uh, just deliver your values, your company values, and at, at the same time do it in a way that they can be themselves. How much does that high standard of hiring have to do with it? Yeah, it's a huge piece. Uh, it's very big, and it, you know. So we didn't talk much about this, Eric, but I've you know from because I, I love learning, I love teaching. We've actually grown. Uh, into a Nix University as well. Took our yeah. training systems and our training processes, and now we share that with all businesses across the country, actually around the world, because we've had people from Germany come oh, take wow. classes. Wow! So one of our one of our Nix University courses is a hiring and uh, interviewing course, and and again, it's it's it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be expensive, but we could be really effective in how we hire. Oh yeah! As long as we proactively hire we're not we're not waiting until we have a position open we're not hiring for a pulse like 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 most like usually happens yeah we yeah what we do so something very simple the cover sheet of our application has our purpose and values on it Mm -hmm. so when anybody comes in the restaurant and asks for an application the host at the host desk is going to hand out the application and they're going to ask that applicant to please read the cover sheet read our purpose and values and if once they read that if that feels like something we want to be a part of then go ahead and fill out the application mm-hmm. if not that's okay you don't have to do that and and honestly we get about 10 percent of of people will actually give the application back and just say not for me <laughs> yeah isn't that amazing <laughs> you know, that there's awesome. 16 16 year old kids that you know come in and say you know what 
mom said I got to go to a job. I just wanted a job. I don't know what all this stuff is. You know? <laughs> so, oh, okay, thank you, and this is not a good fit for you. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, I mean, the reason why I want to point it out is because so much um, – I just recently read uh, the book Good to Great, and it was an incredible book, and they put so much emphasis on hiring the right people and how much that pays off in the long run, just surrounding yourself with the right people. And if, when you set your standards and you – you uh, paint the picture of what the ideal employee is and you get them on board and you allow them to be themselves for all the reasons why you hired them because you had such high standards. It just goes so far and you have such an incredible team surrounding you at Nix. And I just wanted to point out, put some emphasis on that. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, our industry typically has 150% turnover. We have less than 25% mm-hmm. turnover. Yeah. You know, and, that, and, and that totally starts, again, they, we're intentional about the culture so now, because we're intentional about our culture, we're clear about it, mm-hmm. we're able to find get the right people on the bus, right? Yep, absolutely. And then, yeah, and then you said five yeses. So the first yes is when we take the application from someone, we're going to ask them, if, you know, from what they read on that cover sheet, what stands out for them. Yeah. Not going to ask them whether they like our purpose or values or not. We're just going to ask them what stands out. Now, if they... If they actually could refer to things on the cover sheet specifically and say, wow, this really sounds, you know, taking care of teamwork and all that or ongoing learning and development resonates, you know, something specific in our values. It's like, okay, we're going to sign them up for an interview. Mm -hmm. If not, then that's a no and we're going to and they don't smile or anything. We won't sign them up. That's okay. That's the first yes. The second the second time then is when we sit down and do an interview. We're going to have two people sit down and do an interview with the interviewee, mm-hmm. and we're going to ask them to actually do a an exercise that is relative to what we're hiring. If it's a busser, we might mess up a table, have them bust a table. If it's a bartender, we're going to ask them. They say they could pour um, ounce and a quarter shots. We're going to ask them to free pour ounce and a quarter shots. The server, we're going to ask them to serve. We're going to have them do that and then sit down. Right away, before we even sit down, we're going to have them do that exercise, then sit down and ask them to assess their performance. That allows us to we're, – we're interviewing for two things, Eric. One is, a, is does their performance, you know, performance criteria, does their A-plus match our A-plus? Mm-hmm. When people say I'm a hard worker, well, okay. your hard work, <laughs> my hard work is different. <laughs> so we're defining what that hard work looks like. Exactly. Especially performance, right? Yep. Having them assess – their one to five scale, I thought they moved really slow in bussing that table. And for my A plus, they, they were a two. But they might say, oh, I was a four. You know? Yeah. You know? So that, that's the difference. Yep. Then the other second thing that we're hiring for is that values alignment. Mm-hmm. And again, we're not going to ask close-ended questions about whether they like our values or our purpose. We're going we're gonna to ask open-ended questions that give us a sense of how these values have showed up in their life. Yeah. That's how we're going to really assess those two things. And that only takes 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. We could do a really effective interview in 15, maybe 20 minutes yeah. at most. And we're going to do two interviews with the same person, have them come back again and do it, so that we get to see when they come back what's consistent, what's you know what's the same, what's different, and, and then we're done. Yeah, I love it. And another thing I noticed in your book that just really grabbed my attention as well was you let your your staff kind of control their destiny. And by that I mean you hire them. You you hire for managers. Basically, when you get hired, like 
you are able to kind of control when you get that next raise by taking different classes and by, uh, you know, giving them the opportunity to commit to um, a, a training that gives them, like, the next level of, like, you know it better than I do. Do you want them to take it through? You know what I'm talking about. You can explain it better. <laughs> I think I know where you're going, yeah. for sure, yeah. Um, especially, I mean, we're, we're hiring leaders, and to me there's a big difference between leaders and managers. I think that's... You know, there's a lot of people out there that understand the difference between managing tasks and leading people. Yeah. Um, and what I found, especially with the younger generation, the more, you know, we're, we're just, we're going to hire people and we're going to set them people up for and give them control around their own ability to grow and develop in our company. Yeah. So um, I know there's, you know, a lot of companies will say, oh, yeah, we empower our people to do their – I don't feel I have the – I don't feel like I'm, you know, that divine that I have I have the ability to empower anybody. What we do is we put systems in place so people can empower themselves. Yep. Um, so at Nick's, I th- again, back to that school concept because everybody that gets hired at Nick's goes to orientation. And orientation, all, they, all we talk about is purpose, values – Safe space communication, which is our uh, Rudy Mix tool, our consultant, um, and then also our feedback loop and how they're going to get their own raises. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, at Nix, everybody gets their own raise. Wow. We don't they, don't; they don't go to a manager for a raise. <laughs> yeah. After orientation, everybody goes to one hundred and one, and at one hundred and one, they're going to make pizzas. Mm-hmm. They're going to get their hands in the sausage and the sauce and make a beef sandwich, make a salad. Because that's where we they learn what we do. Mm-hmm. They've already learned why we do what we do for, with a purpose and how through values. The what comes in one on one when they make our product. By the way, it's a great product. Got to be quality product, of course. Mm-hmm. From there, then it, each individual goes to their two hundred one. Now they go to what they were hired to do. Their two hundred one bartender, server two hundred one, whatever that might be. Uh, accountant 201, marketing 201. Mm-hmm. That's where they break off and go to their 201 class. We'll put them side by side with a trainer until they get fully certified. We actually have uh, a certification sheet that everybody has to score on a one to five scale. They have to score all fours in order before they're off on their own in mm-hmm. their certification. Now, now back to your question about okay, once someone the bartender or the server or the cook has got their first certification, they're on their own. If they want to continue to get raises and develop themselves, they sign up for their own 201s. Mm-hmm. And then they, every three every three or so certifications, will give them a buck, a buck 50 raise. So does every job title have its own like set of 101 to 201 to 301 to 401? Close. Okay. Yeah. Everybody has got the same orientation. Everybody's got the same 101. Okay. The 201s are different based on what job. job. Okay. Yeah. But yep. when you, why this is so important is people, at the end of the day, when you get your paycheck, you meet those most basic needs, like getting a shelter and having food every day. You're going to start searching out higher needs. And one of the most 
uh, crucial hire needs is that sense of growth and personal development. And you give them the opportunity through this, this system, this process you have of training to control their own development and to grow at their will. And I think that's so valuable and so underestimated. Um, and, I mean, we can just learn so much from that lesson alone, right? Yeah, it's it's a little <laughs> – it's funny how uh, – especially when I hire managers from other restaurants – how um, I'm trying to think of the word for a lot of old school command and control mm-hmm. managers are, or restaurant managers especially, where they're like, wait a second, it's uncomfortable to just let people figure that, you know, be on their own track yeah. or their own growth and development, their own professional development. You mean, I'm. I'm not going to tell them what to do all the time. And- but when you create the systems and you hire people from the very beginning who you know, if you give them the tools, if you if you put them in the top of that funnel and you only make you make it so there's only one place and that's the bottom of the funnel to the point, um, like you're not going to fall out of place. You're going to keep them on track and you, they're going to go through the system. But it's on you to create the systems and hire for people that you know will fit well in your system. And there's so yeah. much power in that. Um, there is, there yeah. is, yeah, yeah. It's, I, it's but like I said, especially with the younger generation, they really want to be in control of their own destiny. Yeah, and it makes they they are. It's 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 a culture of choice. Yeah, you know? I still have a handful of questions I want to ask you, and you're just so valuable. I'm, I want to make sure we get through all these questions, okay. um, and I could talk all day on all of them, but I have to have some self control and discipline here. But uh, so, talk to us about open book management and how important that is, and why we should consider that that approach. Huge, especially in the restaurants. Uh, I read a book, The Great Game of Business by Jack Stack. I had a process of, of just sharing our financials mm-hmm. from the very beginning. But I also found that just sharing the financials wasn't doing much good. People were, profit and loss statements could be intimidating. When I read Jack Stack's book, The Great Game of Business, and learned how we could actually take the profit and loss statement, our income statement, when we take a snapshot of it, put it on a whiteboard and have fiscal huddles once a week, we could actually involve the team, teach teach our team members at every level financial literacy and create an environment of ownership where every from the bus boy to the bus person to the server to the cook, they all feel like they understand the financials and they're in control of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not the only ones. I know Zingerman's in, in Ann Arbor does the same process as well. Mm-hmm. I actually went to them as an example because that's the way I learned. It's like, who else is doing this? You know, I, <laughs> it's a great process. You oh, know? Yeah. And, you know, and the, now the team is talking about, especially especially the weeks where we're not profitable. You know, we're, say we got a, you know, a, a week in January where there's snowstorms and we have problems with the weather. You know, the team says, wow, we, you know, they see the numbers. And then they come up with ideas, mark, great marketing ideas of how we can go out there and get sales, how we can improve costs. We're all involved in the financials instead of one person trying to figure this all out on our own. Yeah, and you know, the other thing, it just helps with the why. When people, it's one thing to go tell somebody to do something, but when you say, you know, go, like, try not to be so wasteful with food, and then here's why, because look, last week we had all this waste, like, we we threw away this much money, and like, it's, it's so much more impactful when you can show somebody why you need to do something. When when you have that open books 
uh, management style, like you're, yep. it, it just create it, it gives people the big picture, and it's so yeah. Valuable. It refers back to a big picture versus just saying, "Oh yeah, Eric wants us to do this." Right? Exactly. There's a reason, and uh, I think yeah. when they have that reason, it just helps so much. So you almost didn't make it, Nick. I mean, you came real close to uh, having a failed business. Take us through that. Why do you think um, Nick's didn't fail? Uh, why did your customers save you? Yeah. I got to tell you, that was uh, that was such a huge, I mean, again, another, another reason why I share what I did because um, we had great success for many years. Mm-hmm. You know, I had the first restaurants, great, opened the doors, great success. Um, put an addition on that first restaurant, again, great success, you know, tons of business open the second restaurant great success you know a huge restaurant again each restaurant's 350 seats so these things are huge uh and then we the economy crashes right when i'm about to open a third restaurant Mm -hmm. and um and not only the economy crash they there's a big construction project across the street and we lost our entrance and you know basically sales dropped 50 percent while t- times were already tough as it was, sales dropped an additional 50% for the next five uh, five months or so. Mm-hmm. And what I found was all the things that we had done with our culture for our team and for our community actually were something that was a little bit of, a, of an insurance program that I didn't even know I had. You know, because we built so much trust in the community when... I actually thought we were going to go out of business. I thought because of the sales drop in that Elgin restaurant, we weren't able to make our our mortgage payment. I could see because of the cash flow projections I were doing, I was doing. I could see I wasn't going to be able to make payroll in about four weeks. I I thought this was it, and I'm not a I'm not a fan of just locking the doors and then you know not telling anybody, and then all the the team members that have come to work and have families. And the gas, all of a sudden, the doors are locked. You know, I couldn't do that to people. So mm-hmm. I sent a letter out to our guests and our team and let them know that we were going to go out of business. Mm-hmm. And as a result, um, I, you know, sure, I said, you know, if you want to come in and say goodbye or help us through this, we had huge, our sales increased 110% in the Elgin restaurant um, over the next five weeks. Wow. Unbelievable what happened. And not only did the guests support us, we had team members that didn't work for us anymore, went on to other careers, were calling us and saying, Nick, can I come in and help over the weekend and work for free? You know, all kinds of amazing things happened that I, I talk about in the in the story that, I mean, I you know, brought to this day still brings tears to my eyes when I think about it. Yeah, you know, it, it, yeah, and it is a it's an amazing story, and also it kind of ties back into that whole open books transparency side of the operation when you just are just straightforward with people, and when you have that such a that high level of co- like social connection with them and just interpersonal connection with your guests, and you share stories like this, like they they come to you because they love you and they want to continue to like be surrounded by the team. And you're a huge part of these people's lives. It wasn't really what I learned from that experience, Eric was it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't me that was a huge part of the people's lives. What I learned was it was the team members, the servers, the bartenders, the karaoke cashiers that had, because of our purpose and our values, they had created these relationships. 
with our guests in our community, and they had exceeded my expectations at every level, way beyond I could have anything I could have ever dreamed of. Mm-hmm. They were the ones that had had done this, and it was much bigger than me as the owner. Mm-hmm. That was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. So I have to ask you, Nick. We're, we're getting close to wrapping up. How do you stay inspired? You know, when you first open a restaurant, you're filled with piss and vinegar, right? Like, you you have the world by the nuts. Like, you can do anything. But then over time, like, that, that passion, that energy can kind of, you know, dwindle. But you stay so, inspi- like, so positive, and it seems like your team is always so positive. Like, how do you stay inspired? Like, what advice do you have for us to stay contagious like you are? Inspiration to me comes from tapping into the spirit within each of us, whether it's a spirit in myself or the spirit with the team members. And I get that inspiration from my team and my guests. Yep. I mean, anytime I'm feeling a little down or not, you know, all I have to do is go work a shift. And a lot of restaurateurs would probably say, what are you nuts? You know, but <laughs> honestly, you know, I, I refer back to the purpose that why, why we're here, what we're doing is, you know, we're making a difference in the world, and each restaurant has that opportunity to make a difference and restore people's lives. That's the meaning of restaurants. Yeah, hey, right? uh, my dog's barking. I think somebody's at the door, and that's going to be really... One second, sorry. Yeah, yeah no problem. <laughs> uh, door-to-door salesman. All right, sorry about that, Nick. <laughs> sorry. So, yeah. Um, I think I answered that question. You, you did really well. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much. So talk to me. I mean, I want to point out that you said in high school you had only finished one book. And now you're just reading all the time. And, like, talk to me about how that's changed your life. And maybe has that helped inspire you, do you think? Is that one of the reasons why you stay so inspired? Yes, I would agree. Um, I, I wasn't good in school. I wasn't good in, in that structure of sitting behind a desk and being told what to do. And part of... Uh, Part of not reading a book was probably just in defiance of trying to break the rules, and you know, <laughs> but I, I couldn't find interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as I opened my own business and started to learn, I find a huge amount of value in in getting. I love reading books that people that you know authors and and sometimes consultants will say, "Here's how you could do something." I love especially the real stories from business owners that say, here's how you could do it. And and there's, even on a personal development level or a business level, I, I look for ways that I could apply things. I, I mean, one of my first books was uh, Jim Collins' book, Built to Last. To me, I just highlighted the heck out of that book and said, mm-hmm. okay, I understand how, how to make a business sustainable, how our business could be around for 100 years. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that as entrepreneurs and CEOs of our company, our company is only going to go, is only going to evolve as far as the the leader is at the the top is going to. So on a personal level, I have to continue to develop and grow myself as well. Mm -hmm. So that's been huge for me. Do you think you'd have the success you'd have today if you didn't read? No, no way, yeah. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't have that outside perspective of other ways of, to have things done. And because I, I take what I read and I actually put into practice and I give it a shot, you know, yeah. I try it, you know. And Absolutely. I mean, I'm putting so much emphasis on this, Nick, because for $13 you can get a book that will just make you 
so much money if you apply the lessons you learn. And you're just living proof of that and the power that can happen if you just are constantly growing like you say to do. And if you do these things, if you absorb the... the you're, you're literally surrounding yourself with the most successful people for such a low cost. Like, it seems like a no-brainer. And I just want to, you know, to drive that home because, I mean, your book is a perfect example or a perfect opportunity to do what you've done with so many other people's books is to to take all these life's experiences and you put them in, like, six-hour audio book. You know, right. like, six hours of your life to yep. be, and you know, can have so much impact. And I just want you to give the folks at home, you know, maybe a small business owner who's struggling, what's, what's one piece of advice you could give, if you could just give any piece of advice? We, we each of us have an opportunity to, to enjoy our lives, and, and that work-life balance comes from doing what we love to do so that work doesn't feel like work. I believe what each of us could do more effectively is realize that as whether we're a manager or a team leader, that we're here in service of others. Mm -hmm. And the most effective leaders are servant leaders that are in service of others and working, doing work that's connected to why we do what we do, our purpose. That that's, that's an ongoing process. And I believe at the core of having a really fulfilling life. Awesome. Great stuff. Nick, you've been so incredible, man. There's no questioning you are unstoppable. If you want more incredible advice from Nick Cirillo, again, it's the, a slice of the pie, how to build a big little business. And uh, it's an incredible book. I read it three times in a month. And I'm so happy I did. Because, uh, I mean, this, the lessons are priceless. So thank you so much. Well Thank you, Eric. Yeah, thank you for cre- for being so inspiring yourself and creating a culture of unstoppable <laughs> opportunities for us in the restaurant business. I, I love w- the work you're doing. Oh, thank, thank you. No problem. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's been a pleasure, and I'm learning so much. I'm grateful for the opportunity. So, hey, Nick, how can we get in touch with you? Uh, if we want to go learn more, if we want to take this to the next level, uh, how can the folks at home reach you? What's the next step? Uh, we make that real easy. By either going to the Nick's Pizza and Pub website and clicking through to Nick's University or to go to nickcirillo.com and click to Nick's University. And there's a whole bunch of opportunities there to, you know, either grab the book, come to one of our classes, the Nick's University sessions, workshops we have around hiring and culture, or our new product around Nick's Online. Learn how to, some effective processes, just on some online courses. Awesome. Pretty simple. Thank Great. You. No problem. I'll have I'll have those links in the show notes. Just go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash a slice of the pie, and you'll find all those links right there if you want to take it to the next step. Uh, a summary of everything we talked about today and uh, a, a link to the other books that were mentioned as well if you want to check those out. Um, I guess that's all we have today, Nick. There's no questioning. You are unstoppable, and you're always welcome to come back on the show. All right? It's stay in touch, for sure. <laughs> Cheers. Boom! Another episode wrapped up in the bags here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Nick Cirillo, man, you were so awesome. Such incredible advice. If you guys want to uh, check out the show notes for this episode, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 
a slice of the pie. I'll have links to everything we discussed, the summary, uh, links to Nick's University, Nick's Online, like he had mentioned, and uh, some of the tools he had mentioned in the books he mentioned in the show. And, I mean, if you guys aren't feeling inspired to be an incredible leader, to establish that purpose and that culture in your restaurant, and just get everybody pulling in the right direction, the same direction, then I don't know what's wrong with you. I mean, maybe you have to listen to the show again. Or maybe this industry just isn't right for you. But, man, I just need to point out and summarize. And I'm so sorry about Rosie, uh, Chip, you know, making her uh, presence (laughs) known. Uh, I apologize for that. But she was barking at a very crucial part of the interview where Nick was just laying some gold on us. And I just wanted to summarize it again and repeat what he said, just in case Rosie distracted you there. Nick's answer when I asked him about, you know, how he stays inspired was, you know, it all goes back to his purpose. And his purpose is making a difference in the world. And and each restaurant has the opportunity to make a difference in restoring someone's life. And, I mean, restaurant, the word restaurant means to restore. And, I mean, are you trying to do that in your restaurant? Is that your purpose, to be restoring people not just with food but their souls, the the souls of your employees, the souls of your guests? I mean, that's what it takes. That's what you should be trying to do. And it's that those people that are successful, that's what they are doing and what you can do. So, I just want to summarize that again uh, because it just had so much uh, so much just weight in that that sentence he had, and but Rosie, <laughs> I hope she didn't distract you from that. And it's funny because I started this interview with sharing that quote with uh, people do their best work when they have a higher purpose, and that same applies to organizations. Your purpose is the center of the culture that drives your business. And then Nick just had to go and wrap up this interview with talking about it's his purpose that keeps him you know that keeps him inspired that keeps him going to work every day when things get tired and long and just you know that's why it's so important and i just really want to put a lot of emphasis on that to wrap up today and uh like always, guys, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash books and tools for uh, a list of all the tools and the books our past guest mentors have recommended. And that's why we're here, right, to get this information, to get this advice and put it all in one spot so you can be unstoppable too. And then also, if you can think of a guest mentor, somebody who would just be a great guest on the show, shoot me a message. Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Always looking for guest mentors, uh, people to learn from, to share their stories. So uh, that's one way you can help out. And uh, yeah, awesome, awesome show. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here. Thank you guys so much for listening in. And if uh, there are any resources or tools that caught your attention, just remember, please use my links. That's how I keep this show free to you. That's how the show keeps on going. So your support is much appreciated. Thank you guys all in advance for that. All right. Until next time. Peace out.